Here's today's God Heals Hurting Marriages with Charlene Steinkamp. Amen. Are you standing on his promises? Okay. You can have a seat. If that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. That's what my dad would say to you right now. A Kentucky saying, I think. (laughs) Well, I hope you had a good lunch. I hope you're ready for this afternoon. We've got a couple hours left, and we're going to fight the food coma that's going to happen to us. We're going to stay awake and enjoy our last couple hours together. We love this part of the conference because it's an opportunity for you to ask specifically what you want to know, and you can get the answers from the people that have been there, done that. And so we've got some questions. Now, we are not going to get to all the questions because we have a limited amount of time, but we're going to do our best, and my mom will take them home, and she will take them and answer them in Charlene Care. So... How we're going to do this is we're going to let them just answer. Unless it's addressed specifically, we'll let the person that wants to take it grab it. So the first question, how do I know it's God's will to restore my marriage? My wife says there's no way. She has no feelings for me, and she will not talk to me. Um, Heard all those words before, Um, and this is the product of that. Um, How do you know what God says to you is between you and God? And if you question that, then you go here and you see what he says. Because what he says here is always the truth. God created marriage to be an institution of marriage forever. Um, That is true, Missy. You've heard it. I've said it a million times. Um, I used to say to lose, find somebody else because I'm not coming back. How many times did I say that? A million, I A bet. million times. <laughs> Bob said a million. I'm not coming back. Find somebody else. I'm good where I'm at. So how do you know? You just, you just got to know that in your heart that God is the one that will restore your marriage, without a doubt. I want to tell you, it says in uh, 2 Timothy 2, um, 25 to 26, it says, Those who oppose me must gently instruct and hope that God will grant them repentance leading them to the knowledge of truth and that they will come to their senses escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will they're not where they're supposed to be and you've got to stand for it and that's a spiritual warfare fight for it okay when you say let your spouse go however you still want to pray for them what does that look like when you're letting your spouse go but you still want to pray for them um, when Fabian announced that he was leaving, um, at first I expressed the anger, the frustration, but after that, God gives you, I went to the Lord, and the Lord gives you his peace to kind of go through this, this valley that you're about to, to, go, to go through. And I let him know that. I let him know, I can't tie you down with chains here. I can't keep you here. Kids can't keep you here. So I'm leaving you in God's hands. And those are the best hands that you could be in. Amen. Until he brings you back. I made him, I let him know that you will come back. (laughs) (laughs) And and to add to that, as a standard, you let go. But as a prodigal, you cannot hide from yourself. So you got to look at that mirror every day and know that you're not where you you need to be. So let him go and, and, and do your part. Let God do the rest because they'll bring them home. I think you also let go by um, doing good. Um, God taught me a lot in his word about, there's a lot of scriptures about do good. 
um, do good is all kinds of things, you know. Sometimes do good is doing nothing, which in our world we're um, always busy doing stuff. Um, what Charlene talked about this yesterday with our phones and Facebook and everything, hauling kids around. Um, but we serve God by doing good. And your spouse will see that. And that's how they'll see that you're letting them go because you're, you're not doing stuff to work it out. You're letting go and you're doing your stuff to do good for Christ. Stay, stay close to the Lord. Be active in church. And don't to hide and be a hermit because God wants to use you. But letting go and letting God means you are constantly praying in that spiritual battle. And you are letting go and letting God do the moving on the other side of that mountain. And you don't, you believe that God is working on them and talking to them every day. Yeah, I would just second that uh, with what Charlene's saying. I think there's a big difference um, between physically letting go of somebody and, and letting them go and do what, what they're determined to do and, and cutting that emotional tie with, with the person. If you cut that, then it is definitely something that will be felt and there will be, be repercussions from that. Uh, if you can let them go but maintain that, that emotional tie to them so that, that the, the most important care in your life is for, is for that person and for their salvation mm -hmm. and for, for God to do a work in them. And that is what you are, are seeking. You're not, you're not seeking that person anymore. You're not chasing after that person. You're not chasing after the things that, that you thought would make you happy and fulfilled in life. You are, you are chasing after God's work to be done in that person's life for his glory. Amen. And that tie needs to be maintained. Right. It, it's, it, there, it there's a big be. difference between letting somebody go physically and do whatever they're, they're going to do and, and cutting that person off. If you cut that person off emotionally from your heart, you're, you're, you're doing yourself a great disservice. Yeah. How much does guilt, shame, and unworth play in a prodigal not coming home? Did you have that? <laughs> I wonder who that one's for. <laughs> are we obvious or are we obvious? <laughs> yes, my name is Greg. I'll be playing the part of the yeah. prodigal. Today. <laughs> it says Missy on here. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's 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 definitely going to be different for for everybody. But I firmly firmly believe that that guilt and shame in the sense that we understand guilt and shame is absolutely not of God. Amen. God does not use guilt and shame to try and, and push and manipulate us into doing anything. God uses truth. God is truth and he is light. And uh, so, yes, I believe that, that those, those tools of, of guilt and shame that, that play uh, on, on people's lives uh, on both sides of this equation uh, can be a, a real hindrance to moving forward. I don't think that that's just in, on, on the part of a prodigal. I, um, I'm not sure if, if having that sense of guilt and, and shame is, is a good thing or a bad thing uh, in, in moving somebody forward and out of a situation that, that they're in. Um, 
I didn't have a lot of, of that. I, I, I wasn't one to, to operate in, in shame. And, and thankfully, uh, in coming back, I've, I've not had to deal with that shame and, and guilt that I think a lot of people still struggle with when they hold on to that, that sin that was in their life. And, and, and honestly, I think that that sometimes is a, uh, an ego thing or a pride thing where, where you're still trying to hold on to that, you know, I was, I was so bad. <laughs> I'm worse than you type type of thing, and uh, you you had that guilt and shame as a product of, of that. I didn't have that when I was when I was away so much. You know, there was obviously times of feeling guilty about what Missy was going through, or the fact that I wasn't with with uh, my family and, and my child and that type of thing. But I I didn't struggle day and night with you know feeling guilty about being away or or how I was treating. God or any of those things because I didn't have that type of, of relationship with God to, to really feel uh, like I owed anything to him. So I didn't really feel guilt or shame for that. I do think it is something that is difficult in a lot of people's lives mm-hmm. and, and uh, in, their, in their past, just knowing that, that they have, have done whatever or done so many things to hurt their family. And I think it is a difficult thing for people to to overcome and and certainly it's something that I think you should pray for your spouses about to be released from that because it is not coming from God at all and if if there's anybody I mean seriously God forbid if there's anybody in the audience today that is in any way trying to use guilt and shame towards your towards your spouse to to try and and push them into into making a decision that is is right Please don't. I mean, please just just allow God to do His His work because God doesn't operate on those terms. He doesn't Amen. He doesn't operate the way that, that we do as as people. And if if we try and and use those tools to push somebody into a decision or to shame somebody into doing something, the outcome may look like what you want, but in the end, it's it's going to be built on. On falsehoods and it's going to be built on something other than than the the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and it's not going to get you what what you were after in the in the beginning so please just pray for for your prodigal to be free from from that burden of guilt and shame but to be convicted by the Holy Spirit in truth so that they can see that that there is a, a, a better way that God has intended for their lives. Greg, because, let me interrupt you and piggyback that because you're starting to answer it. But let me just say this one question. Should we tell the other woman we love our husband and our standing? And do we have a moral responsibility for her that our husband is cheating with her when he has or he's cheating with us when he has one foot in the door? So. Do we tell? Do we yeah, go around I, and play the Holy Spirit? I think that that's that's something that you know, Missy or or, or uh, Dennis could could speak to better than me. But if you if you want me to give you an answer to that, and I don't know who who wrote that that question, but if I was to answer that, I'm going to tell you the truth. And if you want to hear the truth, I would be glad to tell you the truth. But if you're not ready to hear the truth, then I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> you want the truth? That is a question purely out of pride and and if you're if you're thinking along those those lines of uh you know i need to tell this other person this or or you know i need to inform them because my husband is cheating on them with me no you're thinking how can i hurt this person that has done this to me by letting them know 
what he's doing to them on the side. And that, that's, not, that's not God working in, in this situation. That is your pride saying, how can I feel better about what's going on? And we need to operate in truth. We need to operate in the grace and the, the provision of the Holy Spirit. And if, if, we're, if we're doing anything outside of that and our motivations are not purely from that point of, of truth and grace in Christ, then we are doing ourselves a disservice. Romans 12, 19 and 20 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing so, you will be heaping burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. And Amen. I don't think that that conversation is rooted in good. I'm sorry. I think what we are doing is we're manipulating. We are manipulating. We are planning and trying to destroy their, their relationship by us manipulating and telling them that, they're seeing, that we're seeing them or they're calling us and all of that. That is the Holy Spirit bringing him in and starting to do the process of restoration. And when God is bringing them in and around and calling you and texting you and everything, you better be thanking the Lord and nobody else and just thank the Lord and keep it a secret and you know that God is moving on the other side of the mountain. But when you start to go try to manipulate and put time frames on that, that uh, spouse, you know, and, and, and give them a list of what they have to do before they come home and everything, you're playing God. You're playing God. Let God bring them home and bring them home. You know, and guilt and shame is from the enemy, and there are a lot of men and women that are coming home, or the spouse um, is battling that when they come home. Bob wrote about it. We've got devotionals on it, and it is a very big thing with a lot of the people coming home. They feel so unworthy. You've waited. You have sacrificed how many years, whatever. They've seen how, like Fabian, 13 years of no communication, 13 years of him, of all he's hearing from the children, and he had to walk in and trust God that he was going to have to forgive and not react what they were saying about the other man or the other men. And it is, you have to just let the Lord just keep all of our mouths zipped. And the Holy Spirit, for what God has done in three and a half years in that family's life is miracles. Miracles. Because the children's hearts have been touched and changed. They're in Lori's house. They're in my house. They come to the meetings. God has done a restoration on that entire family. Not just the husband and wife. And that is what we're praying for. It's for the whole family. So please, the guilt and shame. Pray that your spouse doesn't have it. If they have it, pray that it is removed off of them before they come home. Pray they don't have it and don't put condemnation on them and don't ask them a million questions about the past. You don't need to go in the garbage. And, and love them unconditionally that they're home and God brought them home. And that is where we've got to do it because we can put guilt and shame on them, but why... You wouldn't believe what we had to do, and we're in debt to this, and and whoa, you know, and don't pile it on them. What do you think? <laughs> yes. 
How do you ever follow up after Charlene? <laughs> Golly. <laughs> no, the one thing that I wanted to say about the second question there was uh, the other person, you know, all that junk that you have, animosity towards that person, take it to God, take it to the cross, put all that stuff there, say, Lord, this is what I'm feeling, put it at the cross, take it away from me. That's the only person you need to be talking to about that other person. And the thing that you really need to do is pray for that person, that Amen. God's will would be done in their life. Amen. You know, that they come to their salvation. And, you know, typically they would have their own relationships that are broken that need to be restored. So Amen. you got to pray for them that they go home to their one flesh spouse and not your, your spouse that they're trying to, you know, reestablish or establish a relationship with. So we have that responsibility. We need to pray for them. Amen. We do. Okay. How do I get past thinking of my husband being intimate with another woman? I'm so hurt and angry. I was very blindsided. This is probably cliche and sounds dumb, but don't think about it. I mean, I know that's easily said instead of done, um, but we have control over our thoughts. And Christ in us gives us power to have the armor of God on our head, the helmet of salvation. So just don't think about it. Don't go there. Don't start to go there. Don't begin to go there. Just don't go there. And I know that that sounds easy. Sounds like, oh, that's so easy and blah, blah, blah. But it's doable and it's a choice. I, I can't. I, part of me says I didn't struggle with that. And part of me says, well, obviously I struggled with that. But it just became a choice. I guess here's a good example is I don't drink sodas. I gave up sodas a long time ago as a weight loss technique, and it didn't really work for that, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> I don't drink them, and so I just don't drink them. When they're out there in the cooler, I don't drink them. On occasion, I like think, ooh, I'm just gonna have a sip, because he drinks Dr. Pepper like it's water. So I think, ooh, that looks really tasty. Or somebody will say, let's go to Sonic and get a cherry Coke, and I'll be like, ooh, that sounds delicious. And I'll get one, and I can't hardly stomach it because it's so sweet. But that took a process. You know, it didn't, the day I quit drinking Coke didn't, the next day I wasn't like, ooh, I really can't stand that stuff. But since I haven't been doing it for uh, many years now, then when I take a drink, I'm like, that's sweet, I can't go there. And I think that's the same process, is you stop, and you keep stopping, and you keep stopping, and then it's not an everyday, all day long battle, and I'll let Oh, we got two of them. We've got to do it. Second Corinthians 10 says, take captive every thought to your imagination. You need to take captive every thought. Philippians 4 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, what is good, lovely, admirable, da-da-da-da, whatever you've learned or heard or received or seen in me, put it into practice. Philippians 4, 4 through 8, 9, excellent is you can do it through Jesus Christ. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to... I've shared, to, I've shared this story with maybe a few of you this weekend, and I guess it's appropriate to share it now, only because it answers your question perfectly. I not only had to deal with myself, uh, knowing that my wife had been married, and she had shared her life with other men, but when I came home, I had my kids to remind me of that. And whenever I wanted to impose uh, 
on my kids, uh, my rules, or I wanted to reprimand them on something that I felt that wasn't right, Kyle and Isaac will sit there and they will stare at each other and ignore me as I was talking to them. And Kyle will say, Isaac, wasn't it better with RJ? Oh, <laughs> this dad is no good. Wasn't it better with the other dad? So it could have been easy for me to walk out then. It could have been easy for me to pick up and justify walking out again. But I had come home forever and I will never leave home again. And it's a choice, like Missy say. It's a choice you make in your mind. Allow God to take that away from you. I no longer have thoughts of my wife sharing her life with anybody else. God has cleansed her. Jesus has cleansed her with her blood, with his Amen. blood. And she's the virgin, and she's mine and only mine. Amen. Thank you. On a little side note there, um, I do remember when Fabian would call, I think I've shared this with you, and um, I would express, he was in Colombia with, with someone else. Um, and you have to listen to the whole CD to understand where I'm coming from. But he was uh, with someone else. And I would say to him, I would ask him, don't you miss me? Is, is, you know, all those questions that all of you think, is, is, is it different, et cetera, et cetera. And he would tell me, which would always make me feel so good. He was just loose. You're my wife, and there's only one of you. Uh. And he didn't want to discuss it anymore, which made me feel wonderful because even though he was so far, he made me feel that there's no one else. The, the spouse is the spouse, and no one could change that. And I really believe that that's all that prayer, the Holy Spirit is continuously reminding. This is fake. This is completely Counterfeit. fake. Counterfeit, yes. The real thing is home. Amen. And they know that. I knew that too. <laughs> yes, we do. Let, let me just add one thing to uh, to this discussion, uh, kind of looking from the from the opposite direction. Um, I would caution you to to guard your hearts against uh, using that that thought of your spouse being with with someone else as as a justification for your position and 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 why you're right and that person is, is wrong. And coming from the other direction, I know that there were many times when, when I had a, a real distinct desire for, for Missy to just go off and, and find somebody else, go and, and you know, do what I was doing so that she could, could go and be happy and whatever, but, but what I was really doing was trying to find a justification for my position and say, you know, if she goes and does that, then, then I'm okay. Everything's fine, so I would I would just caution you to to guard your hearts against that because you can take that position uh, of you know real hurt. It, it is a I'm, I I know a, a a place of hurt and struggle that you have. Uh, your your spouse who you love is with somebody else, but if you take that and let it turn into something that is is allowing you to have a position of superiority and giving you the justification to to give up this fight and stand then you're, you're doing yourself, again, a great disservice by, by thinking that way. The scripture that I had to ask Charlene where it was at <laughs> uh, is Hebrews 13. And this is an easy scripture we know, but there is so much understanding we don't know that only takes the Holy Spirit to reveal to us. 
and he's still revealing that to me personally and to us collectively, is let the marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. And it's real easy to take the last half of that verse and to dwell on that. But where is your heart as a stander and your marriage bed? So that's the first part of it. And interestingly enough, that whole chapter about Hebrews 13 is, um, it starts out with let brotherly love continue. It's really not a whole lot about marriage, but it's about love, which in my mind starts with our heart. Um, and it's not something that's going to just click, be fixed overnight, just like your thoughts. But because, but out of our thoughts, we act. So if you're preparing, it's easy to prepare your closet, maybe. So we, since we seem to be talking a lot about closets this weekend. But where, how are you preparing your heart? And in so, then your body will be prepared for your husband or your wife. Um, Greg and I talked actually quite a bit about this driving here. Um, I was not prepared for marriage. Even though I was a virgin when we got married, I was not prepared for that when we got married. And that was a detriment to our marriage. Because nobody had ever talked to me about being prepared Amen. mentally, physically, emotionally, because that's a sacred thing. And God uses, it's, it's a mystery. We don't understand that. It's not something we as humans can understand. And I think that's another reason we so defile that situation because we don't understand it. But I just would encourage you to pray that God would prepare you. And one of Charlene's teachings, I can't remember which one now, I remember her talking about some of this and me thinking, oh goodness, I really screwed this up. And so um, I started really praying, God prepare me to be ready for him in that manner. Because I knew it wasn't going to be like, woohoo, this is going to be great. Everything's all fun and great. And we haven't had any problems in our whole life. That wasn't how it was going to be. But I wanted to be ready, just like I wanted the closet clean. I wanted physically, mentally, emotionally to be ready. And so I encourage you to pray for that. God is the owner of that. He created that. And the CD you're probably talking about is Sex and the Standard. And we have a few here, but she talks about it on there. And let me just add a side note. When you get married, most of you probably went through premarital counseling, and people go through premarital counseling when they get married. And when you get restored, you have to reacclimate to each other. And so you need some sort of resources and help, be it the afterbook, be it a pastor that believes what you're going through. But you're bringing two separate homes and two separate mindsets back together again, and they can probably attest. It's not. It's awesome but you have a new set of things. That's why my mom says, once a stander, always a stander. It's a new thing. It's a good thing, but you have to reacclimate and deal with these things that now come as part of that healing. That homecoming package says, are you really ready for your spouse to come home? Mm -hmm. Because there is, you have to be ready. You have to be ready spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And you have to, if you think you're praying now, you're more praying when they come home and you have to be spiritually ready because just like Fabian you know, was with both of you guys, with anybody, there is the past and I'm going to talk about it this afternoon. 
it is awesome when there's celebration coming home and we're having weddings and everything. But there is a lot of steps of progress and recovery. But you two are going to work on it together. And if one spouse is not ready and they came home and were shoved home by God, and I have one at the ministry, in our local ministry, and they had their first year anniversary reunion, and we got an email um, this weekend, and mm -hmm. she said, there's victory. Mm -hmm. And because she has been battling for a year, that there is still another woman that keeps trying to get it back into mm -hmm. the picture. And so I'm telling you, you have to walk through the fire, but you're and there's victory. And she had it on her first year anniversary. And he's been home every night this week. Mm -hmm. And that is victory mm -hmm. because he stayed home. And I said, we're going to get victory all the way. And there is victory in Jesus. Mm -hmm. How many of you have an in-home prodigal? Your prodigal's home. Yeah, I talked to a couple of you. I know it's, it's a different battle it's first corinthians 13 put into action yep, yep. daily <laughs> daily hourly <laughs> <laughs> minute by minute sometimes Luz, you might want to answer this one because i know you had a long period of no communication but what do i do when there's no communication some people don't see or hear from their spouse if there's no children involved they don't have a reason to communicate so how do you handle that well that's hard Lori, because uh in my situation from the day that fabian left there was uh, at least, if not more, three years of silence. I, I heard nothing. But thank God, Faven's family um, is in Miami. They're pretty local. And I would always contact them, and they would contact me, and I would at least find out, is he alive? I mean, he's in Colombia. Is, yeah, he's good. He's in Colombia. He's good. So as long as I knew that he was alive, I knew that his heart was thumping, and I knew we would continue to pray. And um, I would shoot out those prayers all the way to Colombia. I would even say, God, can you go out there to Colombia? He's so far away. But for God, there's nothing impossible. Miles are nothing. Okay. I like this question. I am divorced since 2004, and I've been standing, but I removed my wedding ring. How do I reintroduce wearing my wedding ring? Show me your fingers. <laughs> Put it on. I'll answer it. Just put it on. If you got rid of your wedding ring, my dad had his melted down in a fit of rage to show that he's not married anymore. <laughs> he had it melted down into this cute, it turned out beautiful, a little nugget of gold. And he gave it to my mom and said, here's my wedding ring. Tell him when he gave it to me. On Christmas. Christmas Day is my gift. It's her Christmas Here. gift. Here's my I wedding ring. I want to remind you, I am never coming home. That was just... That was one of my lovely Christmases. So if you don't have your ring, go buy one. If you can't afford one, there is beautiful cosmetic jewelry that you can go pick one up for $15. Go get yourself something to show the world that you are married. married to, you're married you're to your married. spouse, but you're married to the Lord to be your spouse for this season of time. Yes. You need to not be available. Yes. Anything with, if, right now, most people don't want to wear rings anyway but but you need to show i will i'm not i'm so married with my husband and, and he's with the lord but i he and i talk seriously you know you're going to start looking and win uh, there is i am married to the lord and we are going forward for more marriages and i keep my wedding ring on and some widows people take them off 
I'm not taking my precious ring off. I'm married to Bob, and I'm going to be there in heaven. There's not a marriage, but there's the Lord. I'm married to the Lord. Put him on. You know what you're going to say to me, but there's a non-covenant marriage, and they're going to get upset with me, and da-da-da-da. You know what? So be it. Because you know what? There, I'm, we could be mad at a lot of all the other stuff they're doing. But you need to proclaim who you are in Christ and how strong you believe in the covenant of marriage and the permanence of marriage. And you made a wedding vow so you and God are standing and married to that spouse. Sometimes I don't know how to act around my husband. Do I tell him I love him? Do I invite him to dinner? Do I leave him alone? Should I call him? Shouldn't I call him? Should I talk to him about God? How do I react when he's around? Pray and pray and pray. <laughs> pray again. Stop and pray. Go to the bathroom and pray. Get in the shower and pray. Um, don't ask everybody you know. Don't compare what Charlene did. Amen. Don't talk about what Missy did. Amen. <laughs> Don't think about what you did last week. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit right then, what do you need to do? Because sometimes it's going to be this and sometimes it's going to be that. And then when you do have to speak, actually, as hard as zipping your lips is, I learned that speaking what I was supposed to say was sometimes harder than zipping my lips. But, you know... I would just say pray and pray and pray and ask Christ, ask Jesus, Amen. what do I need to do? Um, there was a point where God told me, every time you see him, you need to tell him you love him. Most of the time, that did not come well received. <laughs> Most of the time. You know, but also remember, um, I did a Bible study during this time, and the Bible study talk, it was about words and most of your communication to your spouse is not your words. It's your outward appearance, your facial expressions, your eyes, your heart. So you can say the right words, and if your heart is not in the right place, it will not do a bit of good. We had this question recently. We were out to eat with a stander that's local and her daughter, and she said, oh, he has a key now. He knocks when he comes home. He comes over for dinner like mm. four or five nights a week with the kids, which we were like, that's amazing. And she said, well, he, he won't sit. She said he won't sit at the table, right? He just sits in one chair. He doesn't feel like free to go around as if that's his home. Guilt and we and said, But you're standing and you're saying, I'm standing and I want him home, but he is a visitor in your home. So I would say make sure that your actions line up with what you're living and with what you're saying. And when your spouse comes around, my mom did the same thing. Bob, you want to come in? You want to have dinner? You want to have a holiday? You want to, you know, you, here's an anniversary gift. Here's a birthday gift. So make sure it lines up. And it's not, well, when he comes around, you're giving him the cold shoulder, giving her the cold sh shoulder because you had been wounded that week and you've had a fight over the kids. But make it all line up. So what you say is what you're living. And I, and I think I would just add to that what, what Lori is saying is that it's not, and same as what Missy said, it's not necessarily what you say or what you do, but where your heart is in this thing. And, and you know, God knows where your heart is. He, he looks upon man's heart and he knows the motivation that's there. Are you doing those things and are you saying those things in order to gain an outcome that you want? Or are you doing it out of the love and motivation of, of Christ? If you're doing it because God has asked you to do it and because it's, it's his love shining through you, 
absolutely do it if you're doing it because you think if I tell him this then then this will happen or if I you know give my spouse uh, elaborate gift you know then they're going to feel like they have to reciprocate in this way yeah you're setting yourself up for some failure there but if you're doing what God tells you to do and you're operating in the truth of Christ there's there's no way to fail there even if it's not well received by your spouse it's not gonna fail but with that too you know my heart was not always all like lovey-dovey warm and fuzzy and oh I'm gonna tell him this because it feels so right sometimes you you operate out of obedience and God rewards you for that so there's that line that's kind of a fine fine line of well my heart's not right so I'm not gonna say it but if God told me to tell him I loved him I had to operate out of obedience and pray God please help me to have a right heart search my heart God to show me where I'm at I want to say this I'm gonna say it I'm not sure I'm saying it with mo the right motive but I, you said to do it I'm gonna do it and if he gives me the evil eye I'm just gonna smile and go on and then I'm gonna do what Dennis said I'm gonna go to the cross when I get back inside the house and cry and say Jesus take this away <laughs> you know you know, um, the big thing is, is the motive is what Greg just said. It says in Ezekiel 36, 22, Therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations, where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. The name you have profaned among them. Keep saying it over and over. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. It, what is your idol? Is your spouse your idol? Is your children your idol? We've got to get God up on the top. He doesn't want anybody before him. And it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Awesome scripture for you and for your spouse and, and so forth. But, you know, we have got to get to the point that you are ready today or tonight or tomorrow for your spouse to come home and visit at any time. And if your house isn't prepared, God told me to get my house in order. I he, would second that, absolutely. You need, not to, you need to not say, okay, kids, we don't have to clean the house. We don't have to do dishes. We can do them once a week. We, woo, we are free. You know, I mean, the tyrant is gone. Or, you know, I mean, the wife's not here, so I'm not going to pick up my socks or I'm just going to leave my shoes everywhere. You need to live married. You need to live married and be ready to receive them at any time because they come home. And that is the biggest thing. I did not expect Bob to come home on that Wednesday afternoon to see my house. And also, the Lord told me to prepare my house, and I fixed up our bedroom to be different. I did the same thing. God spoke that exact thing to my house, and I, my, and I didn't even know that from her. The other thing is God had spoken very clearly to me not to put any clothes in his side of the closet. Oh, yeah. Everything. Be ready. And then... And Which then Bob came to the bedroom to see my bedroom, and he goes, who'd you fix it up for? <laughs> trying to get a word 
This this is painful. <laughs> okay, sorry for the interruption there. I, I got to follow Charlene and Missy again. God, this is tough. The one thing I wanted to say on this is, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to give you the grace to see your spouse with his eyes. You know, how do you see him? You know, not how I see him, all the garbage. Let me see how you see him or her, you know, and he loves this person, okay? And ask God to give you the grace. Let me love my spouse the way that you love my spouse. And what I had to do in my situation, it's uh, John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, I must mm. decrease. I need to get out of the way. Let God shine through me to my spouse. You know, you won't have to worry about all the other stuff when you're following God's command and let him love, love your spouse through you. Um, when your spouse comes home, how do you and how does your spouse deal with the pain of getting over the other person? Bake some brownies. <laughs> you pray for that other person to be. My other person didn't leave Bob alone either. And she would show up wherever he was. She followed him. And I'm telling you, you pray. Pray for her to go where she's supposed to go, back to her family, that him back home to his family. You have to pray this. And you have that hedge of protection, that wall of fire, all those, uh, Psalm 91. Uh, there's so many different Psalms, uh, but you've got to pray the other woman and other person, Hosea, to be gone permanently and leave you, your family alone to be rebuilt. Now, both of these men have another child in that marriage, in, in another marriage. And there is two women that have to walk in love and because that child is part of their spouses and they will be there all their life. But God gives them grace and mercy, but there's a, there's a wall or a line where that child may come into their home but it, and see dad, but they don't have to go see the other woman. Well, let me just, let me just add that how many, how many of you out there, one of your greatest fears when your spouse comes home is that, that they will choose to, to leave again or they will have struggles with uh, thoughts of, of the other person or thoughts of doing all this again? Anybody have that fear? Okay, that's honest. That's true. Uh, let, me, let me set your mind at ease about that. It is going to happen. <laughs> You don't have to fear this because you know it will happen. We are all human beings and we all struggle with sins of various kinds every single day. And your spouse, me, Fabian, I'm sure, have particular sets of, of sins that we deal with in our lives. And these are things that, that we deal with God on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute -minute basis. And yes, those things are going to come up. You're going to deal with this. You're not going to have your spouse come home and everything's going to be peachy and you're just going to have a wonderful marriage and no struggles, no problems. Put your mind at ease. You will face this. Having a fear about it is not going to get you anywhere. Rest yourself in the confidence that you will face trials of many kind, but when that happens, 
the Lord is going to work in that situation to produce in you the good thing that he began. And it's all going to be for his glory. So if we rest ourselves in Christ and our position in Christ, then it's not us doing that work, is it? It's the Holy Spirit working through us and through our spouses. And I had Bob. I did, he finally didn't tell me at the beginning what was happening. And after a few days or weeks, he said, um, and Bob worked when he, le when he came home. He had to leave four or five days, five days, uh, to go live in the other country uh, for three months. That sort of tests your faith a little bit. Yeah, we did that for nine months. Okay, and, and you really have to believe that God brought him home. Bob got remarried that day. I mean, he was home, and sometimes they come home and they don't get remarried instantly. And you, we understand that. There's a process. They've got to get through a lot of different things. We had a, one that's a come home, and they're going through a divorce of a non-covenant. So he's home, but they're in the process of restoration. There's so many different ways, but the point is, Bob said, I'm going to be accountable. If you won't not mind, I want to tell you every time they contact me, and then you can pray more. And that's the way we did it. And, and it helped him that he had to be accountable. And I said, do you want to go talk to a pastor or a counselor or somebody to be accountable to somebody else? He says, no. You've prayed me home. You pray her or God. <laughs> and, so that's, and that's what we did. And, and it's not like Charlene can tell you, it was probably two weeks ago I was on the phone with her saying, Charlene, can you help me pray about this situation? I mean, it's not like it was, it's, we're all like there. I mean, this is real. This is, this is real. But God is in the midst of it because he's bringing him home. Mm -hmm. And stay off Facebook. Amen. No, <laughs> just, listen. Facebook is wonderful. We have a Facebook page. Go like us and follow us. But someone emailed the other day. I hope you're not in the room. But someone emailed me the other day and said, I'm, I just had to unfriend my, my husband because I couldn't stand seeing everything. That's okay. You don't need to put that all in front of you to see that. So that's okay. And how can I specifically pray for my spouse as they struggle with forgiving themselves for what, what's happened? I would pray the scriptures about um, being a new crea creature in Christ. Um, I often pray for Greg also the scripture that says, we don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Um, you know, things about the mind, things about hold the scripture about holding our thoughts captive, things about I pray for you continually, brothers, that when you fi face trials of many kinds, the, those are the things I pray. And I, I do pray the armor of God. I was so glad Charlene talked about that. I pray that every day for all of us. And I thanks to her, I've been doing that for probably four years now, maybe. And also, the blood of Jesus. Um, that's it. The blood of Jesus. Jesus died on that cross for my sins, for his sins, and and that's it. That's final. Jesus forgives us. We receive forgiveness, and that's the key. We are Receiving redeemed. it, redeemed, redeemed, and forgiven. And we're a new creation. It's done. Yeah. Last scripture, Romans twelve verse two. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Forgiveness. Study forgiveness. And get, pray that, that your spouse will hunger for the word of God when they come home and they will receive the spirit of forgiveness. I, I think also uh, 
in addition to, to praying that, one of the greatest things you can do is, is make sure that your spouse understands that although they're struggling maybe with forgiving themselves, you have forgiven them in Christ oh, yeah. Jesus. If they feel that from you and they, and they know the truth of that, that you're not holding anything against them, then it's much easier for them to let it go themselves. And you don't go have, when you have a fight, which you guys you're are going to have, have a fight. A, you're going to have a fight. You're going to have a fight. Let me tell you. Uh, you don't bring up the past. Don't fight that is not allowed. Yeah. Zip, Zip the lips. Okay. Do not bring up the past ever. It's, it's in that deep sea. Yeah. Okay, um, Dennis, we'll start with you on this question. <laughs> what helped the most after your prodigal came home? Like, what was, what's one tidbit you can give? I don't know. That's a difficult one to say. Um, you know, we, one of the things that I didn't mention is we had a good relationship, my wife and I, throughout our divorce. You know, we were best friends. It's hard to believe she entered into another relationship and we still were best friends. I was way better friends with her. So it wasn't a hard transition for us because we still were involved as a family with our daughter, you know, doing things together as a family. So there wasn't a whole lot of transition involved. And when she came home, you know, we still were best friends. But the one thing is, you know, just got to keep praying. You know, you need to keep praying, you know, praying for the Holy Spirit and to lead you and guide you and give you a, an unconditional love for your spouse. and. You know, the protection prayers, I think that's really important because, you know, Satan is not happy when your spouse comes home. You know, the attacks will increase, you know, and you need to keep praying that protection. Um, I, I agree with Dennis absolutely 100%. Um, the other thing I would say is what you're doing now will help then, um, like Charlene was talking about earlier. The, in Proverbs 31, it talks about how a woman is supposed to build up her husband, and even in when he isn't very built upable, the world should not know that. And I think that was probably one of the best things for us is when he came home. Um, I don't feel like a lot of people knew even a minute amount of what had happened, so it wasn't like there was a lot of people going oh look at him you know in fact just the other day at church I said something about when we were separated and a lady said you were separated you know and and I just think that not defaming him in his absence made it much simpler in his return it's back to the shame question too is other people shame us but if they don't have anything to shame you about then they can't shame you I know we're running short on time here so let me just kind of tag everything that we've been talking about here was something that I was thinking about earlier. You know, I, I think all too often when we're, when we're in this situation, we think about, we think about our stand and we, we think about uh, you know, our marriage, we think about the work that, that we are doing to uh, improve our walk with Christ. We're, we're thinking about the work that we're doing to improve our marriage and, and it's, it's very easy to take a, a viewpoint of of us, what, what we are, are doing, but just to bring it back into perspective of, of the reality of, of the life that we're supposed to be living, Galatians 2.20 tells us, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ mm -hmm. who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the, the best thing I think anybody can do in, uh, in a situation where they're standing for their marriage or just in life 
if you are, are intent on, on following and, and doing what it is that, that God has asked of you, the best thing you can do is to, to stop. Stop being you. Stop being you. Be Christ. Because we have been crucified. We are not supposed to be living anymore. It is supposed to be Christ living through us. And if it is Christ living through us, then what is there that Christ cannot accomplish? Is there anything that, that he cannot do or hasn't already done on our behalf? And if he's living through us, is, is there a way for us to fail? I would recommend Ephesians 5:22 to the end. Uh, read that regularly so that the husbands will love their wives as just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. And that doesn't mean a doormat. But we have to, to submit to him. And then it goes down, however, each one of us, in verse 33, men, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. And right now, I challenge you, especially women, you can think of one thing that you need to respect your husband for, and you need to try to tell them that any way you possibly can, because they feel no respect from you, possibly when they left, because they didn't get it. And that is sometimes why they leave to begin with. And because we were in charge and we took over and we didn't respect them for their opinion. We just sort of ran the show. That was Missy and me. And, uh, and so, okay, we got a lot of people raising hands. So anyway, we need to put our husbands back on to be the head and the spiritual leader. And when they come home, they become the spiritual leader as soon as they walk in the house, as much as you can get them to assume that responsibility. Right, Greg? I mean, you don't want to well, be... That's what Christ... I mean, Christ treats us as if we are already sons and daughters. He's not waiting for us to do all these things to become his sons and daughters. Right. And that's how we have to be acting is... At, like what Dennis said, um, you know, we have to know who we, who we all are going to be in Christ, but who we already are now, and treat them like so, not waiting for it to happen, and then like, okay, I'm going to do it. You know what? We're to love them unconditionally, and we're to treat them and love them regardless of what they're saying and doing to you. You've got to just react as what Jesus would say, and what would Jesus do? Yeah. You know, what would Jesus do? Yeah, take, what would Jesus take say? Take that example from, from his word. You know, what is it that, that he does? And like Missy's saying, he, he sees us as redeemed. He sees us as justified. He sees us as saved. Even if we are still walking that out in, in our lives, he sees us that way. When, when the angel came to Gideon, who was hiding down in the wine breast because they were, they were under right. oppression of, right. of the army, the angel said what? Get I out of that wine press my, because you're, you're being a coward? Man. No, he says... Hey there, you're a mighty man of God. And Gideon's like, me? I'm hiding. <laughs> but he called Gideon who he was in the sight of God. And then because of what God saw in Gideon, Gideon began to walk that out in his life. Okay, we have two minutes left, but I'm going to throw a big question out at you. I need an apology. I need my husband to apologize because they've hurt me and I can't heal until I get that. He hurt and has been hurting God first. And we're underneath that and 
God wants, to, I wanted my husband to repent to the Lord. He, and, and if God wanted him to repent to me, great. If he didn't, it's between him and God. And God will, and you don't know if it's going to happen the first day, the second day, or two months later, or a year later. Or like Lori said, on his deathbed, my husband was still repenting for all of that. Um, I just say, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to repent to him before he paid the price. The one thing I wanted to say on that is, as standers, we need to model the behavior of forgiveness. We need to model it. We had some responsibility in the relationship. We don't want to expect them to do the, you know, the apology, but we can do that. Yes. I, I am sorry, so heartily sorry for my part in this relationship and its failure. Will you forgive me? We can model that behavior, and that's how they're going to learn is through our example. Right. I would even recommend, Charlene teaches on this a lot, about um, praying, about um, repenting and apologizing to your spouse now, whether that be by letter or by a phone call or something. I mean, that, that happened in our life, and I had to write to him and apologize for things I had done to destroy our home. You know, so before you know take the take the log out of your own eye before you're expecting specs out of someone else's okay well we didn't get through all of them but we will address them so be watching thank you that was good i just have to say really quick yeah. you have okay. to read james one james one because after i read through those quickly a while ago mm -hmm. pretty much every question i think you could find an answer in james, james. one mm -hmm. and it ends with every good and perfect gift is from above That's amen. Right. amen amen If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.